Ladies and gentlemen, can you believe it? Season four of Chewing the Gristle, the greatest podcast that ever was. Well, that might be bold, but I like it. What is Chewing the Gristle? Well, doggone it, we've got a whole bunch of internationally renowned musical guests, mostly guitar players, I believe. <laughs> Not that other people who play other instruments aren't musicians as well. But we're a little biased towards the six-stringed variety around here. Brought to you by our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, where, of course, I've been doing videos for over 10 years. They have so many guitars, it'll tempt your mind, body, and soul. You better be careful. And our friends at Fishman Transducers, bringing you state-of-the-art accoutrements for amplifying your acoustic instruments to sound the best they possibly can. Doggone it. And let's face it, their fluence guitar pickups, especially those with the Gristletone moniker, are ass kicking. Let's get to it. Season four, Chewing the Gristle, we ride. This week on Chewing the Doggone Gristle, we have the mighty Dwayne Betts. Son, of course, of the amazing Dickie Betts from the Allman Brothers. But Dwayne's got his own thing, an amazing tone, hell of a nice guy, great musician. Just got done doing some gigs with him at the Allman Family Revival, and it was an absolute dream come true. Ladies and gentlemen, this week we're going to chew the breeze. Chewt. That's shoot and chew together, ladies and gentlemen. Chewing the Gristle with Dwayne Betts. Recording in progress. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to yet another installment of Chewing the Gristle with yours truly, Gregory Koch. I'm here with the mighty Dwayne Betts, who's down in Florida as we speak. Dwayne, what the hell's going on down there? Hey, man, how are you? Just uh, enjoying the warm weather. It's yeah, I would be imagine. Back down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, We were up in uh, Wyoming and Montana for the holidays, so it's beautiful up there, but it was cold. So it's good to be back down here. Yeah, I would imagine. Well, we sure had fun. Uh, those few gigs that I did with you fellas, that was that was like a dream come true, man. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, those shows are a lot of fun. And there's so much, uh, there's so many great players and guests that come in and out through, throughout the tour. And there's a lot of love, you know, it's, it's a family affair, so. Yes, indeed. Well, I tell you what, you know, your playing is... Uh, I mean, what's so weird is, I mean, I mean, obviously it's, it's just freaky how much you, you look like your dad and, and you, you, you have your, you know, a lot of your dad and you're playing, but you have your own thing, but it's, it's just kind of a surreal experience I mean, and it's just completely, uh, organic. It's not like it's an affectation. It's like, you're, no. you're just, you're just that dude. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like surreal. I like surreal is good. So I'll go with that. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, m my dad would, would used to say like, you know, don't, when I would try not to play like him, um, he'd say, you know, you walk like me, you like the same food, you talk, you know, like right. just be natural, you know? Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to play guitar and I like a lot of different styles and stuff. So, I mean, I listen to like The Cure and like, you know, I, I don't think sure. my dad, like, you know, so I mean, we're not like the same, but when it comes to that, um, that kind of pedigree, that style of music, I mean, I kind of, you know, use a lot of his sense of melody and, and, you know, I mean, I think a lot of that's just intangible and some of that's genetic, you know, right. On. And, um, you know, not to say, not to put myself up there with him, but, but thank you. I'll tell you what the, the tone is uh majestic as well and that's that's something that that can't be taught you know what i mean i mean it, to an extent i mean you can say yeah use this and use that but the sense of tone that you have is uh man it's majestic if i may be so oh, bold. thank you man that's that's another good word I, I no i appreciate that and i you know i mean there's i just try to play interesting stuff you know that isn't like you know, if, if I'm really comfortable and I'm in a space where I can really just let it go, then, you know, maybe I'll hit on something that's like, wow, you know, that doesn't just sound like normal, good guitar playing, you know? I mean, that's kind of the goal because technically, I mean, I mean, there's so many great players that can do this and do that, but I mean, I think I know my limitations and, 
so my goal is to just get to a place where it's just like, well, what is going on? Like, where it's like, where is this going and what is he doing? And is he going to get out of this? Like, how, like what, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? You know? So, and that happens every now and then again, you know, with the, with those long jams, you know, and an Elizabeth Reed or, you know, if you're playing that kind of stuff or, you know, some of my original stuff, but, um, yeah, you know, it's fun. I just try to have, have a good time up there and it's, and learn from, learn from everybody. Um, there's so many great players to learn from and everybody plays differently. And that's the beauty of it. You know, it's not all the same and different if you can pick up something from this person or that person, you know, it, 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 itself with people that are better than you or that, you know, you can learn from, then, uh, then you come to find, well, they feel the same way about you. Like, wow, man, you know, and I'm like, really? Like, I, I like Luther and me, like, I, I mean, I have to play after that. Like, like it was so funny one night he was so into it and he was clear on, way far over on this he was really gotten to a place where he was digging what he was hearing and, and he was he had the band mix the way he wanted and he was like over there then he went up to the front of the stage then he ended up back over where i was and he tripped like while he's soloing like in in blue sky or something and uh he tripped over his cord or over the baffle or something and fell back and about fell back into the drum riser and i had to catch him and I mean, that's when you've—that's when you're really having fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, I was going to ask you. Have you, to catch, you right, have when, to catch the guitar player next to you while he's soloing. Yeah, you know, when, he, when he's so awesome. when he's so into it, he forgets how to walk. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. So, when you were growing up, when did you realize? I mean. Was there a certain amount of, uh, of at first rejection of what your parents parents are into versus, you know? What uh, you're, no, what, what, I what? never, I never rejected it. Um, I was being turned on to, you know, I listened to a lot of a lot of classic stuff from an early age, you know. But I also was into, you know, the contemporary rock stuff, you know, whether whether it was when I was six or seven years old and I was listening to Van Halen or whether it was when I was, you know, 12 or 13 or 14 listening to Nirvana or Smashing Pumpkins or, you know, but during that time, I mean, when I was in my teens, I was also listening to Albert King and, you know, John Coltrane and, you know, I mean, I was scratching the surface at least. I don't, you know, I didn't have like every record ever made by John Coltrane, sure, sure. <laughs> but I definitely, you know, I was exploring, you know, exploring different music. So, but I definitely had my heroes of the day, you know, that were like the rock gods of the early nineties, you know? And then I had, you know, and I went through a metal phase for a couple of years before that, you know, when I was like in fifth grade, I loved like Iron Maiden and Metallica and right. what have you. And then I kind of obviously still respect that you know, I mean, st still have a lot of respect for those bands, but I'm, I don't really listen to that stuff, you know? I got you. So when did you actually start playing? Uh, I started playing guitar when I was about 13, uh, really 14, getting better. I mean, I sat in with the Allman Brothers for the first time when I was 15. So I had a couple years to get, you know, and they just kind of threw me out there to make me better quicker. Right. You know, kind of, it's kind of like you're in school, you know. Um, but I was a drummer before then. So I was, I was a musician. I was really dedicated to the drums and I'd play for hours and hours and I'd have my Walkman on and played everything from, you know, when I was in fifth grade, like I'd play to Iron Maiden, but I'd also play to, you know, the Tommy, the who, you know, I right. play that record all the way, or I play to Pink Floyd or I would play to, you know, you know, I've just played to, to tapes, you know, uh, with my headphones on. And then I started noticing when I, I was playing drums in a band and my first, my first band that ever played out, you know, not at like a club, but we played at my friend's house and it was a party, you know, and, and, uh, I was playing drums in that band and that's when I kind of, you know, we'd take a, we'd take a break 
and I, I saw, I would see, you know, I had guitars around the house, obviously my dad's guitars and, right. and, uh, but I'd notice how they were playing. And then I was like, well, I think, I, and then I'd pick up the guitar during the, during the, the, inter, you know, during our, our break from rehearsal, I'd go over and pick up the guitar and play guitar. And then I started noticing, wow, I'm getting a little bit better because when I was really young and I had a guitar put in my hand, I thought it was way too difficult. I wanted to play drums. And so that was my decision. I want to play drums, not guitar. Right. right. And then later it came back to me. I started making a little progress on it, picking things up and I, you know, training my ear. I, I started noticing I could, Oh, I see. That's that interval. That's that, that thing I heard in that other song, you know? Right. And I'd start like, Oh, so I recognize that I can I can learn that just by ear, you know. Right. Um, so, and of, uh, when you were starting off with that kind of stuff, did were, did you ask your dad stuff? Were you were you, did you want to keep it kind of separate, or were you like, "Hey, Dad, show me that thing"? And, a little and, bit of both. I mean, I definitely had a little bit of a rebellion to him showing me stuff. And I may not have been conscious of it. I, I I may have thought it was for a different reason, but now looking back, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, your dad's showing you Chuck Berry is like the coolest thing ever. Why would you, why, like, why was there any resistance to that? You know, or whatever, <laughs> you know, um, but I definitely would listen. And I mean, I learned a lot just from being around and watching and, and, you know, I mean, I would ask other people, you know, once I got to be 15, 16, 17, I mean, I would ask, you know, some of the other people that were around a lot, you know, to like Warren, I would ask for to write me um, lists of, of records to buy. You know, I'd go out and spend uh, all my money on CDs, you know, when at Tower Records or whatever, you know, I just go out and, you know, we'd be on tour and I'd had them write me out a whole list of, of CDs to buy. And I, I'd hunt them down, and some I wouldn't find, some I would. Um, yeah. So, as far as like any kind of, did you take any kind of official lessons from anybody? Did you study? No, I never that took never took lessons. No, I mean, I, I I was given lessons, like I'm, like I'm saying, I was definitely around people that showed being you stuff. caught. You know, right, I just, right, right. you know, I like, but I, you know. Just being around it, you learn. Oh, no doubt about it. <laughs> so what was it like when you realized like, oh, this is this is that gold top that was on all that stuff? Or were, did you have a, a a concept of the gear lying around and it's like historical import to the history of rock? Or was it just like, no, oh, it's just dad's guitars. That's just that thing. You know what I mean? Well, I knew, you know, I, I, I definitely could tell the difference when I, go pick up some other someone else's guitar you know like a normal guitar no i mean i knew the significance of it but maybe not to the the you know the the love the magnitude of of what i do now you know like right uh of course it's 35 years later 30 years you know what i'm saying sure. yeah, so absolutely. now it you know, the magnitude grows even higher, you know, with time, but, but yeah, I mean, I knew that, I knew that they were nice guitars and that my dad played them and I knew my dad, there was something really special about him and the way he played and, right, and, you know, but crazy. Now, as far as like when you were going to go into music for your profession, was there, was that was it one of those things where you looked at what your dad didn't say, yeah, this is great. Or maybe I don't want to do that. And by the same token, was he kind of like, yeah, I've had a good run, but man, it's been a, it's it, had, I did it over again. I I do X, Y, and Z. Was there. No, I, I, I don't re remember there being really any trepidation about it. It was just kind of the way the river was flowing. It was kind of natural. Like, right. yeah, this is what I'm doing. Oh, okay. So this person's calling me to play with them. Oh, cool. I'll go out there and do that. Try that. When I was a kid still, when I joined, you know, when I played my first professional band, I mean, I was like 19. I wasn't like, there's no like pressure on me to be a huge success. I mean, at 19, you know? Right, right. Um, 
And a lot of that time was just spent, you know, having fun, you know, maybe a little too much fun at times, but right. um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you kind of have to go through your experiences and follow your path. And then, you know, sometimes you, you know, write great songs and just meet up with the right people at the right time. And it's a one in a million chance and you're in a, a Beatles or, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And other times you might, be 40 years old and then make a record that gets, you know, really critically acclaimed and that, you know what I mean? Like sure. it, it, it doesn't all happen the same way. And I think that's the beauty of it. So, I mean, like now I'm in my forties and I am, you know, I just did a solo record, my first real solo record. I, I put out a record that I called it, it I, I put out an EP. It was kind of an LP. It, it, officially it's an EP because I wanted my first record to not be that record because that was kind of more put together from different sessions over different years. It was just kind of like the scrap, the scraps I had and I wanted to put something out under my name. So I put that out and I'm proud of it, but it wasn't like the process that this record, this is a real record that I did in a cohesive session and, and the songs were all written at the same time. So I mean, that's kind of what I'm really excited about now because it's it's challenging, you know? I mean, it's it's like we came off of three years of touring and making records with Almond Betts Band, which was a great experience. and and But I really want, wanted to do this and the stars kind of aligned that it just felt like the right time. And uh, so that's what I'm, I'm really excited about now is just... is is getting the music out to people and hopefully they, they love it, you know, as much as I do. Cool. And when is that coming out? I don't have a release date for it, um, but it'll be out soon. I mean, obviously we'll drop a, drop a, a song and two or three songs before it comes out before the release date, but I'll have a release date very soon on it. So are you, you doing it yourself or are you affiliated with a label or you I mean, in this day and age, um, no I haven't did. signed it yet. I, I, I have a, a little deal going and I think, I think it'll come out. I think I'll probably have something signed to, to get it out. I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not like a million dollar deal with Warner brothers or, like, or whatever, <laughs> you know? but it's no, I'm really grateful. And I think, I think it's, um, I think it'll get out to people and hopefully they, hopefully, like I said, hopefully they love it or, you know, hopefully it, they enjoy it. You know, that's the whole thing, you know, and you just put music out. I mean, it's not about like how big you are. You just want it to get to people to be effective. You know, it's not like, you know, and then, and then you do it again. Right. So in terms of how the last couple of years have been shaken out for you. How much stuff do you do as Almond Bats or Almond Family Revival versus doing your own stuff? And is that going to, is that well, kind of Almond, a template? Almond Family Revival was started when Greg passed away by Devin. And um, we've been doing that as kind of a, an annual thing in the holidays for, I think it's, this was the sixth year. Okay. So that's a very small portion of what I want to do. I mean, I, we want to keep that. Can you hear the the weed? The no, lawnmower? Actually, actually, it's it's I can't hear it very much. It's fine. Okay. Okay. That's fine. All right. Um, that's like a small. I I I like keeping that really, you know, a small portion of what. Like, I'd like to get to the point where that's just like a little teeny thing of what. I'm doing. I don't want to be, I don't want that to be like my bread and butter. You know what sure. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want it to be like a, a special way to pay tribute. Everybody wants to come out and play with your friends. I mean, that's the coolest part about it is playing with all these people that you don't get to play with all at the same time right. on the same tour. You know, that's really the fun of it. And, um, so yeah, so that's a small part of it, but yeah, I want to I want to put this record out and I want to tour hard on it and and get out there and you know, make a name for myself. Yeah, do the do as they say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the same thing we just did. I mean, we did it on a bigger level. I mean, Almond Betts band, we did it and obviously with Devin and me joining forces and you know, we had a seven-piece band and and we were kind of 
you know, that was, that's at a higher level of touring, you know, we have a tour bus and, and so it's kind of, um, it's kind of, uh, fun. You know, if you're really passionate about what you're doing, it's great to, to, even if it's smaller, if it's, you know, if you don't have a tour, but I mean, all that stuff's like, it'll come, you know? So it's cool. It's, it's, it's challenging, but it's exciting. You know, it's like, I've never done it. So. And you're doing the four piece with Johnny, Johnny Statula. Yeah. Johnny and I are, are basically like locked in, but you know, we're, we're basically guitar partners, <laughs> but, um, no. So Johnny Barry's on the record. Barry's playing live shows with me. John okay. Ginty is okay. on the record. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Falcon Tyler Greenwell from Tedeschi trucks band, uh, is on the record. And then we have some guests. I mean, Derek's on the record. Marcus King's on the record. Um, Nikki Bloom's on the record. Uh, you know, I mean, there's some other guest musicians that, you know, landed a hand, you know, on it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the band is basically forming as I go. You know what I'm saying? Right. And where did you record the, the record? Was it recorded in different places or one? one no, it was recorded at one place. Uh, it was recorded at uh, Swamp Raga, which is Derek and Susan's okay. studio. In Jacksonville, yeah. there, right? Yep, right in Jacksonville, yeah. Cool. So they were really kind uh, to to have me, and um, they're, they're really, really great people and very talented people, but... but uh, but yeah, we did it over two sessions. Um, and then Jim Scott, we mixed it uh, out in uh, California with Jim Scott. And um, and yeah, I mean, I've, you know, like I said, hopefully I'll have a release date here in the next couple of weeks. Cool. Now getting back to your, your younger days, did you grow up primarily in Florida or California? Kind of a mixture of both? And, and um, what was that like? Primarily in Florida until I was 13. Well, not even primarily, all in Florida. Uh, until I was 13, I moved out to California. I lived in Malibu for a year. And then uh, then I came back. My mom stayed out there. I came back to live with my dad. But I was homeschooled for 8th through 8th grade on. I was homeschooled. And that's when I was on tour like for all of the touring, I was on tour with wow. a band. So, so I mean that, yeah, I mean, that's my upbringing. I mean, it's like, it always goes back to that, to like talking about the, you know, the Almond brothers and, you right. know, but it's not, the question was, where did you grow up? Right, you know? right. And that's, you know what I mean? So it all, it goes back to that. But, but then I kind of spent a lot of my twenties out in California. So I've been back and forth between Florida and California a lot. So, needless to say, you know, being homeschooled and being on the road with the Almond Brothers must have been uh, an experience that most other people your age didn't get. Obviously, did you have a hard time relating to people your own age as far as you know coming off the road and people are like, "Well, you know, my dad's a lawyer and we do this and that." Well, yeah, I just got off the road with my my dad who was on the Almond Brothers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't really. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like high school dance parties every weekend, you know. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of had to, I had my high school in like, I kind of jammed it into like one year after when I was like, I had, I had to kind of catch up, you know. Right, right. In some ways, you know, um, it was like eighteen, like nineteen. I kind of like lived all in my high school in those years and caught up and then I, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's a trip. I mean, you're around adults and you're doing kind of, you know, you're walking around cities, going to museums and record stores and doing all the, all the things that. Uh Oh, uh, you there? Now you're back. I can hear you, but I can't see you. That was uh Jimmy Vivino just called me. Aha! And I, I hit the wrong button and I, I kind of, um, there you go. Yeah, there's that's better. All right. Yeah, I uh, I hit the wrong button and I almost <laughs> hung up on you. I meant, hang, I meant to hang up on him. <laughs> ah. Crazy. 
Jimmy Vivino, he's out. Is he out in California or is he in New York now? I believe he's still out in California. I mean, he, he, he lives, I believe he lives there. I haven't lived in California and I got rid of my place there when I um, married my wife. And I, so we kind of, I got rid of my place there and got a place in Jackson, Wyoming. Yeah. Now, how, how, what, what was it? Was, did she have family there? Is that why you ended up going there? Or no, I mean, she... she's lived there for like 20 years. That's like her hometown. I mean, she's gotcha. not from there originally, but she's lived there for a long time. And it's a beautiful place. And it's, and, uh, you know, I mean, I love, I love Malibu, but it's just so damn expensive. I mean, not that Jackson right. Hole's like inexpensive, but, <laughs> but uh, she has a, you know, we, we have a nice place there. And <clears throat> my mom's in LA. So I go to, I go there, you know, I have a place to stay there anytime. And I have a lot of friends there. So I love, uh, I love hiking out in Malibu and going to the beach and stuff. I mean, that's kind of like my, my home away from home. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And winter getting the, uh, Winter and winter country gets old. Trust me, I'm up in Wisconsin, and it's uh, it gets oh, a are, little yeah. it gets a little unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feel ya. We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle infested conversation to give a special shout out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Cock Signature Fluence Gristle Tone Pickup Set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat. In the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. You know, I got to get back to the, the gear for a minute because that sound of that gold top Les Paul you had through that super reverb was just glorious. And I, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, just from a gear geek point of view, I know you had a little of, um, uh, what's the little pedal, the, the little tone analog thing. man yeah the analogsman but i don't you only would hit that every now and again most of it's just the just the super cranked right for the most yeah. part yeah pretty much i mean it's always pretty pretty close to you know i mean if i'm singing sometimes it's easier to get the guitar to clean up where i want it to clean up on the knob if if the amp isn't up all the way right so i'll turn it down a little bit and if it's a small room, I'll really, you know, I mean, if you're playing f for like a dinner crowd and a, I mean, it just depends on the room, but yeah, when you're playing real rooms like that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't put it on five or six. I put it up on like eight, you know, right, right. but, um, or, or all the way or all the way. Sometimes I'll experiment and just use the amp alone and not even, not even use the pub, but Pretty much, I have it up, and then I just use the analog man. I tend to just use the right side. Right, right, gotcha. I tend to just put it where it sounds good, and I, you know. And I'll use a fuzz every now and then. I on a couple songs on the last record, on the Almond Betts record, I used a a fuzz pedal that JD Simo gave me. I can't even tell you what it is. I don't. It's it's around here somewhere, but it's <laughs> it's pretty official if it comes from him. He's he's like a fuzz guru. Yeah, fuzz so, <laughs> He's always changing his setup and stuff, but but yeah, I mean the the super the super um, I had out there, I, I had it sounding really good. I was playing through one of the other ones. It was it, the speakers. Uh, I think it was Johnny's old one. And it was really loud. Like I like the loud super, a good healthy, you know, amp. But it was a little louder than normal than a normal loud, good and loud super. So, um. And then I, mine was making a little funny noise and I got it fixed in New York um, and it was fine. It was good the whole rest of the tour. But my main super that I was having the speakers reconed uh, so I didn't have it uh, on that tour. It was down in, down in Texas, getting re, the speakers were getting reconed. Um, that, that's the one that Derek sent me as a gift. Got it. You know, he's... I'm sure he sends them to, you know, I'm sure that's kind of a regular thing with people he cares about, but um, it was like 10 years ago and we were talking at the beacon. He's like, yeah, man, you need, you need one of these. And I was like, okay. And then we never talked about it again. And he texted me, I woke up to a text and he said, uh, Hey, I need an address for you for a large package, you know? And of course a light bulb went off and I remembered what he was saying uh what he had said 
And uh, I didn't ask, like, is this, what are you sending? I didn't ask. I didn't want to ruin it. But he checked in again. He's like, hey, so this this is a large package. This address is good, right? It was like a couple days later because he was about to send it out. And I said, yeah, I, I'm not going to ask what it is, but I have an idea. And then I got <laughs> it. I was like, wow, this is rad. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I know it sounds good to me. I don't know the ins and outs of every piece of equipment I have. And, you know, I just know what I, I like and I know what feels good. I know it sounds good, you know. Right. It's an interesting thing with supers because, you know, when I, when I showed up, I knew there was going to be a super and, and I was talking to Luther and he's like, yeah, I just, I just turn it up and go. And I was like, yeah, I'm always, if I don't know the amp, yeah, then I, I, I'll just turn it down lower and use a pedal because then it can, it can make up for the fact that if it's not as, as uh, healthy to the point where I like it in terms of gaining in the right places that, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So, yeah. So it's, uh, it's one of those. Oh things yeah. That, I mean, I definitely, you know, even people that don't, I mean, Johnny doesn't use a pedal. Like he, he prefers not to use, to have a, I mean, he's like purist, like Derek, whatever. Like, I mean, I get it. I'm the same way. I'm like, I, I mean, that's me, but he's like, uh, but yeah, if we're doing a backline gig and it's like, we're flying into Chicago and right. we have a, uh, no, you're bringing a pedal, right? You know, Cause you don't know you're what definitely you're bringing something. We're not going to, we're not going to rely on the fact that, you know, this thing may or may not sound, but I mean, if you get old ones, sometimes the old ones are so unkept that for backline, you know, if you're flying in that it's better to have a reissue, even though they don't sound nearly as good as. I mean, I don't think I, I can tell a difference. They don't sound as good as as my old one. Yeah, they don't give the same way. They 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 stay cleaner, and the cleaner is more unforgiving. Whereas the old ones, yeah, I don't know what it is. They just don't sound as good. They don't sound as warm and as like present. Like the whole the whole the tone is. I don't know. It's it's not that they're not good. I mean, that's that's what I like. I'm doing a gig. Uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, like, Hey, I want a super, get me a reissue. Stu-. You know what I mean? Right, it's sure, like, I, get it's it. not yeah. like I think they don't sound good. I mean, it's, that's what I want. I'm just saying when you get a really good old one, it's kind of, it's a magical thing. It can yeah, it's, be. It's a different, it's a different thing. Yeah. Right. right. You know, what's interesting as well as the, uh, you know, over the years, I, I have found that with, with, you know, Gibson centric players uh, of which I was for a long time. Uh, you know, I was a fender guy and then, you know, you make the switch to the humbuckers then you wean yourself off the humbuckers and then you're less like, well, I'll play whatever. It doesn't really matter. But I remember distinctly having a period of time where the neck pickup tone was, was the thing. And my whole rig was kind of based around the neck pickup being the primary solo tool. And that was because of your dad. It was because of Larry Carlton is because of Danny Toller. I love Danny Toller. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then, but what's interesting about that is that it sounds so good on the neck pickup, but if you're EQ'd around that, the bridge pickup doesn't sound quite as, you know what I mean? As robust. Cause if you're really kind of EQing around the bridge pickup, the neck, well, pickup, yeah, then that's why the guys turn down their tone for the bridge pickup. Exactly. exactly. But my dad's yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's really interesting because my dad primarily would play that, that goalie, which is the. 50, I don't know if it's a 57 or 50, I, I think it's a 57, but, but the one that he, um, that is now red that right. he, you know, that one, um, that he always talks about how that, that one's bassy, right? So, so when he's using the neck pickup, he's taking the bass out of the amp using the natural bass. And that's how you get like that real singy, kind of glassy neck pickup. It's not like the round throaty, like it's, it's none of that. And he's never you like, I mean, I'm not, you know this, but he's never going to a, he's never going to the bridge pickup. So, but he's going to like, he's going to, because in his estimation, like someone else might, well, this isn't really, super bassy but to him it's like oh this is bassy so he would go and use the middle a lot on that guitar and take the bass out of it with the volume 
Got you know it. what I mean? Yeah. And that's where you get that real belly kind of cutty tone that he get. And I don't know, like, like on brothers and sisters, I mean, Southbound, it's like, I mean, that could be just, I mean, some of those marshals, if the, if they're biased to where the, they're just super bright and cutty, right. you know, but they sound good, but they just don't, they're not in balance really with what you would expect with what a bass knob would do. Right. You know, if you're on the treble channel. So even though it's super trebly, I mean, there's no telling what picked up piece really on. I mean, it almost sounds like a wah-wah pedals on like on Southbound or something. I and mean, it's really right. cutty. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's like, it's like that, that same tone on the, on the, yeah. I mean, I don't know. He might be, I mean, those are really cutty, but uh, he could be on the middle with bass volume down or, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> but definitely like Melissa, all that beautiful playing and, and, you know, that kind of glassy stuff is, you know, but, um, I, uh, I don't know. I, I play, I use everything. I kind of, I love how Jimmy Page used everything. Yeah. You know? Right. Absolutely. You know, he, he'd go to the middle and then he'd turn the volume. You know, I mean, I just, you know, different, different kind of player, but man, those great tone, like playing, yeah, he, he playing those less yes. ball or whatever, telly through those marshals. I mean, give me a break. I mean, that's it. That's the tone. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, about I it. would play through a marsh. I mean, it's just like I got really comfortable with using the supers because they're loud and people, oh man, that amp's loud, but it's not really like it's not over the top. Yeah, loud. it's, it's, I mean, it's it, not 100 watt Marshall loud. No, no. So it's like when you're singing, you know, if you have to sing, it's like, or if someone else is singing and they don't want 100 watt Marshall, right? You know, um, you know, so it's just, it's just, I kind of got comfortable with that. But I mean, I love, I love use, I love Marshalls, you know, and I love deluxes and I love little amp, you know, Princeton, you know, I mean, I'm not, I, I wish I had like a hundred thousand dollars to just go into it and buy amps and like really experiment <laughs> with amps. Cause I'm like happy with what I have and I'm not in a position really to like, just go out and start buying a bunch of equipment right now. And I don't right. really need to. So right, it's right. kind of, um, but I'd like to. I'd like to really expand and and get into a lot of different stuff. So when you were on this on this last tour, you were playing that that gold top. The you know the, the at least the nights that I was. At. So when you go out with your own band, do you bring a bunch of guitars, or are you just like, no, I'm good with one or maybe um, a spare? Or well, one? I haven't really gone out a lot with my own band. I I did a run in the fall right before the revival, and I just brought the gold top. But if I have a tech and I have like with Almond Family Revival, normally what I would have is I'd have all three of my, because that's what I would use for Almond Bet's band. So our equipment, I have them down here now. So they weren't really available to come out of St. Louis um, at the, because they weren't there. So, and I wasn't going to fly, I wasn't going to bring them all and then have to fly home with all three. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I brought one, but um, normally I would have, I had a, uh, a 61 335. <clears throat> I mean, they're all really nice guitars that belong to my dad. I mean, they, frankly, they still do belong to him, but like, you know, they belong to us, I guess. Right, right, right. Now, would your dad mess around with the guitars, like pickups and stuff? Was he into that? Or was he just like, no, this sounds good. It's just is what it is. I'm sure he messed around. I mean, I know his, yeah, I mean, he'd have stuff changed out, but not, not like, obsessively you know not like just keep changing it out i mean i know the guitar that his signature model whatever pickups are in that he never changed them once and that's what's still in it and i don't even know i mean i don't even know what they are but people <clears throat> i mean i've heard jd and johnny say yeah you could probably get better pickups for that i'm like yeah but it's working and yeah. i don't i don't really like i played it this long and my dad played it you know what i mean like right. I, so um, but yeah, he had a strat, a really nice strat that I had out for a while that I used on a few things on the record, but yeah, he had like a humbucker in the, like a, uh, he had a humbucker. Space hum I yeah. took it out. I took it out and put, put just, you know, regular single Strapping, coil yeah. pickups. Yeah. Back in and got it sounding more like that because I wasn't using it for, um, 
what he was using it for. He was using it as his main guitar. Right. And it was taking the place of a Gibson. Right. Um, and he would play it on that neck pickup and then he would go to, I mean, I remember a night in Alabama, in Birmingham, Alabama, he would, he would go to the bridge pickup on it. Ah! It, it, like, it, I mean, we're talking like a fender bridge pickup when you have it over to, you have it set for the neck pickup. Right. And then when you go to that bridge pickup, I mean, it all just goes out of it. You talk about stinging. Right. Razor blades and hand grenades. I mean, it was like a, it was like a telly, like, and then some, but in a great way, like he used it one, one, once a night in stormy Monday, he would tend to do it in stormy Monday. I don't know why I remember though, he would go to the middle or the, or the bridge after being on that neck pickup with the humbucker on the strat. And it would just, <laughs> it would all come out and it would just be like, I remember Warren saying, man, he's got that damn strat sounding like, a, he's got it sounding like a telly, like, you know, cause Warren, <laughs> Warren, Warren's like so big on, on the low end, you know? Right, right, right. And, <laughs> um, and my dad's kind of bigger on the high end on bright, you know, I mean, you play on the neck pickup a lot, you know, but really bright and clear, you know? Right, exactly. So, um, and I mean, Warren is, Warren has his clear thing in a different way because he's using like a lot of gain. Right. <laughs> a lot more gain, but he's down on his volume a lot. Right. And he's really good at that, about getting these kind of round, cleaner sounds. And I mean, he might go through a whole solo and like start, you know, I mean, he's just getting the sounds in between one and 10, you know, for, for playing lead, you know. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so it's cleaner and you're like, oh, that's not, you know, and then if you go, if you go put that guitar on and turn it up all the way, it's like, it's, there's some gain, you know, he's, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I really listened to both of those guys a lot growing up inevitably, you know, so they both, you know. Now, did you hang out much with Danny Toller back in the day? Not back in the day. I mean, when I was a little kid, well, okay. So back in the day, meaning when he was around and like, when I was born, like in 78, I mean, oh, he was yeah, around. Yeah, right. And then he was around again when he played with my dad in the early 2000s. And exactly. I hung out with him a few times then. And I, I, I sat in with the band, I'm sure, you know, and then of course I played in the band after he left, you know, uh, and uh, Andy Allador was in the band. Yeah, and we, Andy, yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, Danny, I have fond memories of Danny. Um, he was a really funny, sweet, sweet guy he was another uh neck pickupsman yeah that makes sense i mean he kind of modeled it his style you know i mean at first he really was obviously very influenced by my father and then he right. kind of got his own wacky style going later but yeah, um, yeah but yeah i mean you go down the list and and there isn't a a, a bad guitar player on the um, I mean, right. they're, they're all really good. All you know, all the way from Dwayne Holman to Danny Toller to Jack Pearson to you know, right, right, the whole gang. Yeah, the whole gang. It's a long line of pretty, pretty um, stellar guitar players. So, I remember when I was a, a wee lad, I saw um, saw the Greg Allman band at, in this club in, Ma in Madison, Wisconsin, and, and they were doing this tour where they were <laughs> flip flopping with the um, who would open the show with the outlaws and this particular night Greg Allman was opening up and we got there's like 25 people there I'm like 18 years old and yeah he's a huge Allman Brothers fan big Danny Toller fan so I mean the dance floor was there was no one on it so I just walked up and I and I just put my hands on the stage I was literally right in front of him but what oh I, that's awesome but what I remember about it is that he was using a full stack and it was a you know I'm assuming it was a hundred watt stack and it it wasn't that loud it sounded fucking magnificent you know but it but you know he'd turn it down and it was nice and clean and then he'd turn it up and it was just the thickest most glorious sound so i always whenever i like converse with people of of the uh of the older generation that were in the, around in the late 60s and 70s when people were playing marshall stacks i'm always like well what how loud was it <laughs> you know what i mean and i always wonder 
you know, how loud, you know, back in the day when Dwayne and Dickie were playing and you saw those stacks behind them, it still had to be reasonable. You know what I mean? Because it's like Greg Holmes still got to sing. They got to sing and the drummers. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite. I don't know how to put myself there. You know, I, I've never. I'm well, I've been I've been. I mean, I know how loud a Marshall is. I mean, I played through Marshall. So I guess. It's like that times. It's just fuller after that. I don't know if it doubles in loudness. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Exactly. That's that's what I think the, the secret is. It doesn't. It doesn't really get twice as. It's not. You know, it's not really twice as loud. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's well, you would think it would be, but it's more. It more just it fills up and rounds out. More. <laughs> Even though it technically it is you know, twice as loud. Twice as loud, exactly. For the naked ear, it's not like twice as, it's not like deafening. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard it's, to, it's, it's hard crazy, for me right? to put myself there like playing, <clears throat> yeah, my dad playing like Cow Palace through, you know, four cabinets and a couple hundred watt heads with Celestian speaker, or not Celestian. Uh, with JBL. Like with JBLs, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's loud. I remember hearing about like, and like, right. and like, really like dynamic, and like, you know, he go to like play his rhythms, and he's like on two on his right. guitar. Yes, and then like, that's what always fascinated me is like Dwayne left the band, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, I gotta fill this space, I gotta turn up and fill more space with my rhythms. It was like. Oh no, Chuck's great. We have this fantastic piano player. I'm just going to play rhythm just like exactly how I played it when there's two guitar players in the band, you know? Right, 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 right. Like just clickety clank, you know, just like nice, clear, quiet rhythm, you know, to mix the band to let the, you know, the the vocals shine. And the, and then when it's time to play solo, you better believe I'm turning up and it's going to be loud. Exactly. You know, that's how he plays, but, or how he played, but. Yeah, my goodness. It's crazy. I remember hearing stories about when, of course, you know, back then PAs weren't all that great, so they needed to have a louder stage volume. I'm sure that was part of it. Yeah. But I, I remember I remember hearing when Cream played at Madison Square Garden, the PA was, other than they had something for the vocals and whatever else, of course, they had the stacks. They brought down the mic from the, the boxing mic to the middle of the stage, and that's what the PA was going throughout the Madison Square Garden so they could hear him. That is pretty wow. wild. That's amazing. <laughs> Crazy activities. But yeah, the Marshall thing is one of those things where I remember the, the first time, you know, I ever plugged a Marshall through or a Les Paul through a Marshall, I immediately understood. Because I for years, I'm like, well, what is that all about? Where are those clean sounds coming from? You know, and like to your point, either you listen to live at the film or you listen to some of the uh, the live Zeppelin stuff, you know, from the Song Remains of Stamer when they came out with the live the BBC sessions or how the West was won. And man, you turn that thing down and it's just the most bell-like glorious tone. And then you turn it up and it just roars. And, you know, in, in Paige's case, as you said, I mean, he's doing uh, Since I've Been Loving You and he's on that that neck pickup and it sounds so fat. And then he goes to the bridge pickup and it's, you know, it's, it's magnificent. Yeah, no, that stuff's, I love the the way he plays or played plays what whatever. Um, I mean, it's just kind of like, what does he do? Is he even like at one point you're like, is he even hitting any of that? Is he just like grazing over notes and like, and then it's just like magical, you know? Right. I like players like that that are they're not like necessarily like machines. Like they're not just going to astound you with their, you know, they're right. like. They're like great. Um, I've made this kind of analogy before, but like they're kind of like a great like pitcher, you know, like a great baseball pitcher. Like they might, you don't know if they're going to have their best stuff, you know, like, and they might, they might not, or a great boxer, you know, like they, they might be getting beat, but then in the fifth round, they turn something clicks and then they take over the, they take <laughs> over the game. You know, that's how my dad was, you know, but somebody like Jerry Garcia, you're like, is he, you know, it's like, it's kind of, it, 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 he's trying to get it out. And then it's, it's, there's this fragility to it. And it's like, so 
just like he's barely he's reaching for something and he's kind of touching it and then it just it hits and it just the sky is clear and it's like I, I heard somebody say that about Paige. Of course, Jimmy Page and Jerry Garcia don't play a lot alike, but but there's something about the vulnerability of of in the imperfect nature of the playing that allows for this magic to happen. Right. You know? And my dad's the same way. I mean, there's nights I'm playing on stage with my dad where it's like, you're like, okay, that's cool. And and then the second set, and then something clicks. And then the second set, it's like, get out of his way. Right. You know? Like, it's, it's, it's his to lose, you know? Right, like, right, you right. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you told, yeah, I got You told an interesting story when we were shooting the breeze at the in Denver about how you're going into a radio station and like song remains the same. The studio version was on and, and your dad heard it like, what's this? I, I'm just curious. Were there, were there times over the years where you're, you were into something and you like turned your dad onto it or that you discussed iconic, you know, guitar players that you thought everyone was aware of that maybe he wasn't or didn't care for or that kind of stuff. Or what was that? Well, like? I, I, you know, I mean, I think he has great respect for, you know, I mean, let's face it. Led Zeppelin didn't. I mean, their approach on the blues is a little different than right. Then you know what I mean. Like Robert Plant isn't doesn't sing the blues like Greg All. You know, I mean, right. it's just a little bit of a more traditional approach and not, you know. So it's different, but I don't think I, I think my dad always had a lot of respect for Zeppelin and, and definitely, I mean, John Bonham and, and yeah. So when we walked in the studio that day and it was in Canada and it was in a radio station and they were, you know, it was like the live broadcast and they were playing song remains the same. And it was right when, right in the solo, when Paige goes to that, you know, you know, that part, and then down, down, you know, that right. whole thing. And my dad was like, God damn, who was that playing? <laughs> I was like, and me and Warren, me and Warren were like, where Warren was like, this Jimmy Page. And my dad was like, I mean, but my, my dad knows I mean, Jimmy Page is, a, right. I mean, Jimmy Page is a legend. It's not like my dad thinks Jimmy Page isn't good or something. Right, you know? right. I know. I it's understand. just a different, it's a, just a different, you know, you know. Yeah, it's, just it's a different, a different approach to a twelve bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, well, I think for a lot of people, they you know you, you think about. I mean, obviously, we're aware of who our contemporaries are at the time, and you have opinions about your contemporaries at the time. But you know, he was contemporaries with you know all of the people that are like the legendary, you know, from Hendrix to you know Clapton and and all these different folks, and you know, it just. I guess it's fascinating for people to think like, I wonder what they thought of each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he loves, I mean, Clapton cream. He loves the cream. He loves, you know, he loves Jerry Garcia. Obviously he loves Hendrix. I mean, Hendrix is, you know, um, ubiquitous. Yeah. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was getting turned on to the, the, the blues players and all of that when I was, uh, you know, we were listening to to some blues. Like, I don't know, six months ago, we were making a, we were out grilling, and he had a chair, and I had a, a JBL speaker, and we were just playing. It was like, you know, Otis Rush, and you know, it was just every every uh, song was somebody different. But right, but he, you know, he always said that he Freddie King was this either Freddie or B would you know and then i put you know it was his favorite and i'm like well bb king is like and i hear a lot of bb king well, i hear a lot of freddie too and, right yeah yeah and then i played this really cool thing from albert king and he goes he goes well man i don't know now i think albert might be my favorite <laughs> <laughs> you know like because it was always between freddie and bb like you know and of course he loved Albert, you know, he loves Albert, but it wasn't, you know, you don't hear it quite as much. Maybe. I don't know. It's not like he's doing like the direct, like, like Stevie would do, you know, with the finger and the, 
You don't hear that direct thing that's, well, that's, that's Albert, you know? Right. But I don't know. I mean, look, I'm no, I don't know much about, you know, some people know every record that was ever made and what, you know, who played on every song. And I'm not one of those guys, but I know that music is something that we all love and we all cherish. And it's, it's just, it's like a great gift to be able to play it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a glorious thing, as I like to say. It is, man, especially when you can travel and make a living doing it, hopefully. You know, if you're lucky enough to be able to do that, then you've you got I mean, you know, the traveling part can be rough too. It depends how you look at it. I mean, I love to travel and it's exciting and I'm still young enough to where it's not like I'm jaded to where like, I've already done that. I don't want to travel anymore. I want to like spend time. At, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. kind of like, I'm out there trying to get something, you know? So right. it's, uh, it's cool. You know, every time it's like, Oh, we got a new gig and it's, you know, that stuff's exciting. Absolutely. We're about to, we're leaving for three weeks next, next Tuesday. And, uh, you know, we keep it down and dirty. We've got a Tahoe and a trailer. And, you know, my son plays drums and we got a B3 player who covers the bass parts and it's just the three of us. And we go out and it's, it's magnificent. You know, we show up and, uh, Oh, that's amazing. You know, I'm, I'm I'm the road manager per se, making all the, you know, arrangements with, uh, you know, advancing the gigs and booking the hotels and whatnot. But it's great because we can stop and do whatever we want to do when we, Oh man, I had a great time these last yeah, the last tour I did was so fun. And I didn't even know. I mean, frankly, it was. Uh, I mean, I'll just be honest. I didn't know if it was going to happen because I was like, I really wanted to go do like a, a two week run to just get the momentum going and get things started and just kind of put, you know, get your feet wet, so to speak, as far as this new, this new outfit, you know. And, uh, and you know, it's like, it was like, we were looking at it and I was like, man, is this, you know, all right, does this make sense financially, you know? And then, you know, you kind of, kind of change a couple things and get like a better gig and, uh, and it comes together and it's finalized and you're like, okay, well let's, let's do it. You know? And then you stay at a, you know, you stay at your own house one night and then your road manager's family has a really nice house here. Right. Exactly. And the yep. next thing you know, you're like, dude, we're killing it. Right. Why were we thinking about not doing this? You know, right. exactly. um, yeah, so it was fantastic. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you, you've completed it and you're like, you feel like triumphant, like you're yeah. home from battle, you know, that's exactly. always helpful. But yeah, you get to, <clears throat> you know, uh, even if there was some driving, you know, I don't know, I don't need to go into the specifics, but definitely Yes, yes, yes. Love it. Love traveling. Love playing in, I mean, I love playing in New Orleans. I love playing in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I love, you know, whatever. Right, right wherever like, it of is. Of course, I love, like, you know, it's exciting to play in Paris. Like, yes. Right. But, like, I love to play. Like, if I have a gig and it makes sense, like, I mean, there's something beautiful about playing in Iowa in the dead of winter, you know, right. if it, it, you know what I mean? It's just something like that. You really feel grateful when you're on stage playing for people. If there's 20 people there, they're like, well, I'm going to try to get 25 people there. If there's, you know, if it's, you know, whatever, you know, I'm going to, well, if there's, you know, I'm go out and try to sell some t-shirts, you know, to these 20 people or whatever, you know? So it's um, not that I, I mean, there's been more than 20 people at my shows. I don't mean it literally, <laughs> but you know, maybe, maybe some, not much, but, but, uh, no. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, of, of traveling and playing music for people, you know? Indeed. Indeed. Well, listen, thanks so much time for spending some time. Thanks so much for spending some time is what I meant to say. I don't know what I Absolutely, just Absolutely, man. Yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. Thanks so much for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. We absolutely appreciate you caring and checking out these podcasts. We certainly have a good time doing them. Again, it's brought to you by our friends at Wildwood Guitars in Louisville, Colorado. 
Don't be afraid to go to wildwoodguitars.com. Check out what they have going on. I actually go there every night and visit their new arrivals page. It's kind of a kind of an illness, really. And of course, our friends at Fishman Transducers, Fishman.com, making all the greatest accoutrements for your stringed instruments. Stay tuned for more. Greg Cock here. Thanks so much for tuning in.